1: you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at laist.com slash sweeps.
0: It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Great to have you with us, our critics this week. Our Christy Lemire film critic for RogerEbert.com and co-host of the Breakfast All Day YouTube and podcast series, and Andy Klein, who reviews films for A.V. Club. We begin with The Exorcist Believer, starring Leslie Odom Jr., directed by David Gordon Green, who co-wrote the screenplay with Peter Sattler. It's based on the original novel by William Peter Blatty, The Exorcist, of course. Christy, what did you think of The Exorcist Believer?
1: They so needed to just stop making Exorcist. Exorcist movies.
0: We don't need any more. The first
1: one is a word that gets tossed around a lot. It is iconic, right? Considered one of the most terrifying horror films ever made of any genre, and uh, they keep making them, and this serves as a sequel, a direct sequel to that 1973 classic. Um, It's as if no other Exorcist films ever came along. David Gordon Green is kind of doing here what he did with the Halloween series, where he was doing a straight follow-up to Halloween as if many, many other Halloweens never actually got made. And those films were a case of diminishing returns. This one is just... Kind of okay, and apparently there are a couple of more planned. So we get more of his exorcists trilogy.
0: Supposedly, yeah.
1: I don't think we need that. We didn't really need this. It's okay.
2: Um, Most of the sequels, either.
1: Yeah, but this is as if none of those even ever got made. So um, it begins actually not as a possession, but as a missing persons case. These two. Little girls go off into the woods and disappear for three days, symbolically three days, and they come back and they're real different and um, no one can figure out what it is. And then eventually there's the stuff that happens when little girls are possessed by the devil. They, you know, things show up on their skin and they say horrid things that little girls shouldn't be saying and... They know things little girls shouldn't know. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. is very good, as always, as the father of one of the little girls. He is a widower. He is overprotective of her, obviously. Um, And then this happens when he lets her go. Um, The two girls in this are good. Anne Dowd, who plays the next-door neighbor, is great. She's always great. She can't help but be. Um, And this is... As is always the case with any kind of possession film, sort of like a, hey, Catholicism, it fixes stuff sometimes. Hooray. But this is sort of like a like a United Nations of faith. It's not just Catholics. Oh, really? It's just people of different faiths coming together and working as sort of like like an avengers of exorcisms. Um it is okay. It is never scary. It is kind of gruesome and grody and startling, but um, Feels disjointed, and what it does with Ellen Burstyn is irreparable. She shows up in a cameo. I don't want to spoil anything. I will say it is a massive waste of an incredible talent who is, you know, an Academy Award winner. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what they had a real opportunity to do something cool with that character, and they don't. And that's all I'm going to say. It is a, a point at which it just absolutely lost me. How could it not be scary? I didn't think it was, but I think nothing really is as scary as The Exorcist anymore because so many other possession films have come along in its wake that, you know, 50 years later, stuff that was really, truly shocking and and deeply disturbing simply isn't because we're just so accustomed to it. Well,
0: and now all the CGI, of course, and the original Exorcist, that wasn't around. These all had to be done, you know, with with, uh, non-digital effects. Right,
1: and it's really hard to be William Friedkin. Yes. That's part of it, Yes,
0: Uh, So true. The Exorcist, (laughs) Believer, directed by David Gordon Green, who co-wrote it with Peter Sattler. It's rated R. It is part of a planned trilogy starring Leslie Odom Jr. It's in wide release. The Royal Hotel stars Julia Garner and Jessica Henwick, Kitty Green is the director and she co-wrote it with Oscar Redding. It's based on a documentary from several years ago about a pair of Finnish backpackers. That documentary called Hotel Coolgardie, The Royal Hotel.
2: Andy. Uh, They've changed it to two Canadian backpackers who want to get as far away from Canada as they can so they go to Australia. And they are both reasonably normal young women and australia in this film is just like it's in they're in the middle of nowhere in a small town that has one bar and they're working at that bar and the men are generally loathsome uh they go through a a lot of grief there it actually gets scary at times and uh essentially it's a tension between the the uh responsible girl and the sort of hang loose girl I I thought this is a film that I admired more than I liked I can't say I enjoyed it because I found what they were going through so gruesome but Christy may have a different evaluation I thought
1: it was very good and very effective in subtle and increasingly tense ways um, this reunites Julia Garner with the director Kitty Green who did The Assistant in 2019 yeah, which I'm guessing that. you probably, yeah. probably talked about here on the show yeah. which was sort of a, a a look at what it's like to work in a, a Weinstein kind of film production setting she played the assistant in that and had to suffer a series of microaggressions until it got really really bad this is just aggressions <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And she and Jessica Henwick are having to deal with, you know, an increasingly but inescapable sense of menace from the second that they set foot off of, you know, this bus that takes them there. They've they've got to make some money. They're in the middle of nowhere in, in the Australian outback. And they're kind of like, yeah, let's see if we can make a little money and have a little adventure and why not? And um, they eventually become the people that they don't want to be. The two younger women who are leaving the bar the day they get there, they become that over time and it becomes psychologically and physically menacing. There is a, a... Great sense of place here. It feels isolated. Is this present day? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they are Canadian, Andy. I think they say they're Canadian oh. because I think they're actually American, but they say they're Canadian because like everyone likes Canadians. Oh. So let's just be as as <laughs> part harmless, part of the Commonwealth, and, and harmless as possible, right? And and so, uh, but that does not help them either. So I thought that both actresses are really good in this and distinctly drawn. So, and
2: uh, I'll say Hugo Weaving, I did not recognize same. in this film. He has the years have gathered on Hugo Weaving's frame, like so many of us.
0: The Royal Hotel is in select theaters. Its rated R starring Julia Garner and Jessica Henwick, Kitty Green, the director and co-screenwriter. Foe, a sci-fi thriller starring Paul Meskel and Saoirse Ronan. Aaron Pierre in the cast as well. Garth Davis is the director and wrote the screenplay with Ian Reed. It's based on the novel Foe, Christy.
1: Foe is a literal and figurative hot mess. This is a movie with beautiful people and striking settings and a dystopian future that seems kind of compelling. And it is a total disaster in terms of narrative, in terms of character development. I was watching it like fascinated at how bad it is, like how much worse. You have Sir Ronan and Paul Meskel who are fantastic in terms of their screen presence and their depth of acting ability and... It's just bizarre. So what it's about is it's it's, it's the year 2065, which coincidentally is when the creator takes place. It's a dystopian future in which climate change has ravaged the planet. And so we are beginning to colonize space. Paul Meskel and Sosha Ronan are a miserable but beautiful married couple living on a farm in the middle of nowhere in, we are told, the Midwest. I have so many questions about the world building here. I have so many questions about how it's supposed to be this barren, isolated place, but then she's a at this diner where it's bustling at all hours of the day. I'm like, how do people afford to go out to eat? It's not cheap. Like $18 cheeseburgers. How do you do it? He works in a chicken processing plant which we're told the AI is increasingly taking things over but like, there's a bunch of people on that assembly line sticking chickens on hooks so I have a lot of questions but um, Aaron Pierre shows up as this government representative saying, hey, you've been chosen to help us colonize space and Not you, Sir Ronan, but you, Paul Meskel. You have to go. So a big bulk of this is the dread of what's going to happen in this already fragile marriage when he is plucked from her and an AI version of him is put there in his place. Um, There's no discernible continuity from one scene to the next as far as who these people are and what the relationship is like. We don't have a sense of who they were when their marriage was good. So now that it's falling apart, um, and then there's a twist, and then that raises more questions than it answers. (laughs) I. Hot mess. <laughs> it's, the climate is hot. It's yes, changing yes. and it's a mess, but um, it's sort of a fascinating disaster.
0: Dystopian sci fi thriller "Foe," starring Paul Mescal and Sir Sharon, and Garth Davis directed and co wrote it, it with Ian Reed. It's rated R in selected theaters. The romantic comedic drama She Came to Me stars Peter Dinklage, Marissa Tomei, and Anne Hathaway. Rebecca Miller's the writer director, Andy.
2: Uh, I've been mezzo-mezzo on Rebecca Miller in the past, but I really like this. This was my favorite film this week. Um, It is basically a romantic comedy with some dark moments, uh, basically about a group of really neurotic people. Peter Dinklage is an opera composer who's been blocked for five years, can't do anything. He's married to Anne Hathaway, who is a shrink who, frankly should not be allowed to practice. Um, And they have a son, and uh, Peter Dinklage is just moping around the whole time. And he meets Marisa Tomei, who's a tugboat captain. And they have this fabulous one afternoon stand, this one great nooner, that inspires him to write his next opera. And things get confused after that because she shows up at the opera. Um, it's bas- It is. It has a lot of farce devices, which I like, several of which are reminiscent of crazy, stupid love, some of the same farce tropes. And I think Marisa Tomei was in that too, as I recall. Christy?
1: Um, my brain's a sieve. I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> I think she was playing the same role in that one of the mysterious woman who has a one night stand. Uh, but it is it is funny. Peter Dinklage is great moping around. Uh, Tomei is ter- absolutely uh, stunning in this. And uh, Anne Hathaway, ha- who produced, actually has a much more thankless part because uh, she is such a stiff in this film. The character is yeah, such a stiff. Character. But I, I thought this was the best thing.
0: She Came to Me is the romantic comedy starring Peter Dinklage, Marissa Tomei, and Anne Hathaway. Rebecca Miller, the writer-director. It's rated R. You can see it in select theaters. Also in select theaters, at least for the first couple weeks of its release, is Dick's The Musical. Starring Megan Mullaly, Nathan Lane, Megan The Stallion, Bowen Yang, Aaron Jackson... Larry Charles of Borat is the director, and the writers are Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp. It's adapted from a show that Jackson and Sharp performed at Upright Citizens Brigade going back uh, more than a decade ago. Uh, Christy, what did you think of Dick's The Musical?
1: Yeah, I can't say the name of the show that this movie is based on. But just trust me, it's profane, which gives you an idea of what is happening here. So, this is a wild, crazy movie. It's incredibly raunchy, incredibly profane, and so knowingly over the top. Um, it, Aaron Sharp, I'm sorry, Aaron Jackson rather, and Josh Sharp created the show. They star in this as people who are competitors at this company and discover that they're identical twins. The joke being they look nothing at all like. Right, that is is the bit. And they break into song all the time and it's sort of like a raunchy, profane, super gay version of The Parent Trap where they try to (laughs) sneak their parents back together and trick them into falling back in love again so they can all be a family. This hits the notes that you expect a musical to hit. The kinds of songs that they burst into and the kinds of lavish production numbers that exist here feel familiar but through this really Specific and skewed and heightened prism. It's so fun. It's so weird. It runs out of steam. But there's some stuff that I've never seen before that I can never unsee. <laughs> It is truly inspired, and then Nathan Lane and Megham Lolly are total pros, and so they kind of dig into their roles, too. It's not for everyone. Yeah, oh, I was going to
0: say, it's rated R, but this sounds like even for an R-rated oh film gosh. right at the edge.
1: Oh, my God. Beyond R, like an S or a T.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really, yeah. But if it's for you, if this is your, your jam, you're going to love it.
0: So it won the People's Choice Award at the Toronto International <sighs> Film Festival. I think... I think it might have aired at midnight there as part of it. It sounds like sort of one of those midnight film cult things.
1: Probably, yes. And the fact that Larry Charles directed it, who did Borat, kind of gives yeah. you an idea of, like, the anything goes vibe here.
0: Yeah. It was the Midnight Midnight Madness section of Toronto where Dick's the Musical played. It's in select theaters. And then in a couple of weeks, it'll expand to wider release. It's rated R. Coming up, we'll talk about the drama The Burial, starring Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. We have more films to talk about. It's Film Week on LA's 89.3. Back in a minute. It's Film Week on LAS 89.3. Larry Mantle joined by critics Andy Klein and Christy Lemire. Up next, the drama The Burial. It's uh, said to be inspired by uh, true events. A deal between funeral home owner played by Tommy Lee Jones and an attorney played by Jamie Foxx to save a family business uh, ends up exposing corporate corruption and racial injustice in the story. Uh, Journey Smollett uh, stars alongside Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. Maggie Betts is the director, and the writers are Doug Wright and the director, Maggie Betts. It's based on a New Yorker article uh, from more than 20 years ago by Jonathan Harr. Andy, what did you think of The Burial?
2: Uh, this is a totally charming, crowd-pleasing, little guy versus the big guy story. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones owns a chain of uh, funeral homes in Mississippi, and there's a big Canadian corporation that's trying to buy him out and is using really nasty tactics. Uh, His regular lawyer, he realizes his regular lawyer is very white patrician, and they're taking this case to court in a place where it's all poor and black. So he finds Jamie Foxx, who's a flamboyant personal injury lawyer who's never done this kind of case before. And I am telling you, Jamie Foxx, Tommy Lee Jones is very good in this, but it is Jamie Foxx's film. He is playing sort of Johnny Cochran, who they mention, of course, times 10. Wow, Uh, which is
0: saying something. Yeah, Johnny Cochran's such a huge personality.
2: Yeah, and and the whole thing is he wants to be the next Johnny Cochran. This is taking place during the OJ trial, and he wants to be the next Johnny Cochran, but he preaches when he is working as a lawyer. Uh, I just found it... uh, dare I say, uplifting and totally. And it is basically, I looked up the details of the law case. It is
0: largely based on the almost facts. Almost
2: entirely real. Yeah. Wow.
0: We're talking about the burial. What did you think, Christy?
1: I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this because from the poster alone, it looks just kind of like a cheesy movie and like badly photoshopped. I'm like, ah, oh, I got bad vibes about this. But they have such great chemistry. And you're right. Jamie Foxx is just enormously charismatic and so commanding. Um, do Aethi also is very, very good as a young assistant lawyer here who kind of serves as the glue. When things are up and down and volatile, he's like the voice of reason, but very charmingly so. Um, It feels very much like a movie that would have been made at the time period that this is set. It feels like a 90s throwback, some fun musical cues. Journey Smollett has a ton of charisma as well. So I was kind of shocked. I'm like, am I really enjoying this movie <laughs> this really much? Right? Well, and this,
0: the throwback sounds is probably intentional right. to create a film that feels like it's of that era.
1: For sure. And also it does what like Green Book does not. Right. It, it speaks very honestly about the racial element at play here and the manipulation going on. And I think it doesn't try to sugarcoat like, hey, we can all get along and be pals. Like there's more authenticity and honesty in, in exploring the racial themes here than a lot of movies that aim to be so crowd pleasing might do.
0: The Burial is the film. It's rated R. It's in select theaters. And then it streams on Amazon Prime starting Friday of next week. Strange Way of Life is a short film by Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke. They star in it. Pedro Amadovar, the great Spanish director, is the writer and director of Strange Way of Life and is being shown in a double feature with a previous short film by Amadovar, The Human Voice. Christy, what did you think of the new short, Strange Way of Life?
1: This is just so cool to see even like bite-sized Pedro Amadovar because so much of what he does is is so maximalist in its melodrama, in its visuals, and its color schemes, that just to get like a, a bite-sized nugget of it is really like rich and juicy. And Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke have like crazy, sexy, smoldering chemistry with each other. So it's a Western. And Ethan Hawke is this sheriff. And Pedro Pascal comes riding in on his horse one day to see him and from the very first second they lock eyes, you can see there's something there. They know each other. Even though it's been, been twenty-five years since they've seen each other, like that tension and that connection is just smoldering. And so why Pedro Pascal is in town doesn't really matter. It's about getting these two men together and like the clothes are fantastic and, and it's very much a knowingly heightened kind of soapy melodrama. Um, I wish it were longer, because because it is so short, it's only thirty-one minutes, there has to be some expository dialogue like Remember when we were talking about running away together to have a ranch in Spain? (laughs) So things that might have, like, come across a little more organically over a two-hour period of time feel like people... They have to bring us up to date. Explaining things to each other, yes, previously on (laughs) Strange Way of Life. But what's so cool is if you go see this in the theater, it's playing along with The Human Voice, which was Almodovar's first English-language film, a short with Tilda Swinton that was made Early Days COVID. And it's all on this set, It's intentionally kind of artificial looking with like the bold colors of Almodovar. It looks a lot like the apartment that Antonio Banderas lives in in Pain and Glory. It might be that same set. And it's about her waiting by the phone for a call from her lover. And Tilda Swinton can just be and just be compelling and just she's such a subtle actress and so to be able to see these two English language films from Almodovar they're really different but to see them on the big screen together is a treat
0: Strange Way of Life by Almodovar with the human voice by Almodovar which uh, he did three years ago uh, it's rated R and you can see the pair of short films in select theaters. The horror comedy Totally Killer stars Kieran Chipka and Olivia Holt, uh, Nanata. Sochka Khan is the director, and the screenwriters are David Matalone, Sasha Pearl Raver, and Jen D'Angelo. Andy, what do you think of Totally Killer? Oh,
2: this is a lot of fun. Christy saw it first, and she described it to me as Halloween meets Back to the Future, which is certainly exactly how it was (laughs) pitched. Uh, Small towns, there were a series of murders 35 years earlier, and suddenly there's a new murder, and the daughter of the new mur- of the new victim has a friend who has built a barely workable time machine, and she goes back 35 years to 1987, which means when she tries to explain to people where she's from, she says, well, have you seen Back to the Future? And everybody's like, of course. Um, but she gives up trying to use that explanation, and she meets her mother as a young girl, and her mother is a real piece of nasty work for the most part. Uh, it's very funny, and uh, and the suspense works. I mean, I thought this was altogether, uh, you know, top-level genre thing. Totally killer.
1: Yeah, the horror movie element of it is actually the weakest part. Because I think that the mashup of, like, she's got this fish-out-of-water comedy, Kirin and Shipka, and her timing is impeccable always. She's doing this sort of, like, astonished, bemused kind of frustration at what it's like to live in the 80s and just, like, the constant smoking and the casual misogyny. She's like, you can't say things like that to people. And she's, like, astonished all the time, and that's kind of funny. Um, But she's also really resourceful. And the script calls on her to also dig deep because emotional things happen as she hits every beat really, really well. Um, some inspired music choices here from Bananarama to Echo and the Bunnymen to New Order. So I enjoyed all of that. And, uh, yeah, the idea of going back and seeing your mom as a teenager is not at all novel. But um, everyone is really good in this. And it's it's zippy. I, and it gets at the insularity of small-town life in a way that
0: feels very true. Wow. Sounds sounds good. Totally Killer he is streaming on Amazon Prime Video, directed by Nanachka Khan. Kiernan Shipka stars It's Rated R, again on Amazon Prime Video. The thriller Cat Person stars Amelia Jones, Nicholas Braun, and it's directed by Susanna Fogel. Michelle Ashford wrote the screenplay. It's based on a New Yorker short story, Cat Person. Uh, Christy.
1: This is also a fascinating disaster along the lines of (laughs) faux because, again, all the pieces are there for something that should be really good. So this is based on this New Yorker piece that kind of went viral, and it was a fictional piece that people thought must have been true because it was so detailed and so relatable for so many young women. It's about a a young woman who dates a guy who's a little bit older and they have this horrific sexual encounter and it's the interior monologue that plays in her head while that's happening and how, you know, we make compromises and like the just the female instinct to not want to hurt people's feelings and not want to hurt men's feelings. And how far are you willing to to take that? They have taken that core concept, which is provocative and relatable, and really, really padded it out to this two-hour-long movie. It's much longer than it needs to be. But what's fascinating here is that it stars Emilia Jones, who was so good in Coda. So completely charismatic yeah. and authentic and coda. And Nicholas Braun, who, if you watch Succession, is cousin Greg. And so it's an interesting kind of combination of of presences there in this film. And there's a whole running bit where she imagines that he must be a serial killer. And so there are all these like, ha ha, not really moments that stack up over and over again, like she envisions something horrible happening on their dates. And then it comes to be that that's not it. It's just her imagination running wild. And after two or three of these, it's like the boy who cried wolf. And like that device just stops working entirely. Um, It, the moment of the sexual encounter is the best part of all not for her but for us because there's some real truth in that as far as the conversation she's having with herself in her head but this feels like a yeah a waste of talent and opportunity here
0: cat person is the film suzanna vogel is the director andy
2: uh i like this a little more than christy did i didn't think it was a total mess for the first half of it i found the fact that it was kind of playing like a romance or even a romantic comedy but with these sudden bursts of ominous thriller shots i found that really intriguing and indeed it does play out too long but uh, i i i bought the characters
0: Cat Person, the film, it's unrated and it's at several of the Lemley theaters, including the Royal in West L.A., at the Glendale, and at the town center of Lemley's in Encino. Miranda's Victim stars Abigail Breslin, Ryan Philippi and Luke Wilson. Michelle Danner directed it, and it's written by George Colber, Richard Lasser, and J. Craig Stiles. Andy, what did you think of Miranda's Victim, which takes us back to 1963?
2: Uh, this is an interesting take in that it's the story of the woman who was raped by Ernest Miranda, who got sentenced to prison for her rape, and he he you know she had to testify, and then two years later the Supreme Court says you have to let him go, and that's where we get the Miranda warnings, and in fact for the rest of his life he makes a living signing Miranda cards for people. Uh it's uh Abigail Breslin plays the, the traumatized woman and she's quite good, but uh it does go on a bit too long, uh, trying to be, I guess, somewhat historically accurate. Uh Luke Wilson is good. Ryan Philippi plays the ACLU lawyer, who to a certain extent is the villain, because he is unleashing this on this young girl. Um by getting Miranda off. Uh, But it is, you know, a view of the fact that it doesn't come... I mean, the film still supports the Miranda warnings, but it says here is part of the cost.
0: We're talking about the movie Miranda's Victim. It's unrated. The biographical drama is at Lemley's Town Center in Encino. It's also available on demand for home viewing. Uh, The crime drama... Aberrance is from Mongolia. It's directed and co-written by Batar Batsuk. Andy, please tell us briefly about Aberrance.
2: How often do I get to talk about a Mongolian thriller? Yeah, I can't Um, remember the last time. Yeah, uh, uh, this is actually visually really well done. Um, It's very suspenseful. I thought this The style was wonderful. It's also under an hour and a half. Uh, The only problem is that there's a double whammy plot reversal at the end that was maybe a little too much. Like maybe we needed just a single whammy.
0: All right. Aberrance is the film. It's rated R in Mongolian with English subtitles at Lemley's Royal in West L.A. And from South Korea, the fantasy uh, thriller Dr. Cheon and the Lost Talisman is directed by Kim Sung sik uh, Andy, what did you think of this one?
2: Uh I enjoyed it, but it really is kind of a Doctor Strange kind of thing. Whereas I have the magical sutra that's more powerful than your magical sutra, and you know if I can stab the knife through your scrolls and yeah, whatever. Going up against a demon, uh, it certainly moves quickly and. You know, it does what it's supposed to do, but it's pretty minor.
0: It's based apparently on a hit webtoon illustrated by Kim Hong-tae, Dr. Chun, and The Lost Talisman in Korean with English subtitles. It's unrated, and you can see it in select theaters. All right, stay tuned, because coming up next on Film Week, I'll be joined by the directors of the documentary The Mission, which comes out next week. It's a National Geographic documentary film tells the story of young missionary John Chow, who was killed by arrows while attempting to contact one of the world's most isolated indigenous peoples on remote North Sentinel Island. Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss will tell us about their film when we come back. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3.